0: Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zuber Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: Nice to have you along on this uh, post-snowy Monday. We're all still cleaning up from yesterday's system that moved through, giving us between 15 and 20 centimeters of snow. It was quite a day. Nothing like what Bob was saying there in Nova Scotia, but nonetheless, it's a lot of snow here for Toronto. We are following very closely the meeting between Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump. Our prime minister was warmly received by the new U.S. president outside the White House just over an hour ago. The initial greeting and handshake at the door have been replayed on television many times already, with a lot of analysis on social media as well. This is their first face-to-face meeting, and the prime minister is said to be better prepared for the Trump administration than any other world leader, even reaching out before November's U.S. election to forge ties with Trump's advisers in case he might win. So what will they talk about today? And how can Trudeau best present himself in the interest of Canada and Canadians? You're invited to weigh in 416-360-0740 or one 740 4740 And we've invited a couple of experts to comment as well. Joining us on the line now, Laura Babcock of Power Group Communications and business and law expert Mark Warner. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Laura, it seems everyone is giving the Prime Minister advice, so what do you think is the best way for Prime Minister Trudeau to have gone into today's meeting because it is already
2: underway? Well, so far, so good. The way that they did, they laid the groundwork beforehand, which is really critical in any kind of government or public relations. They set expectations well. Trudeau got the support of the other parties going in there, so it looks like a united front, which of course makes him stronger and he needs all the strength that he can get. He went in there, the handshake, the body language, the strong. Trump has a habit of kind of yanking in the person he's shaking hands with in a show of dominance that didn't work or didn't happen with Trudeau. Trudeau kept the handshake close to himself, (laughs) so it looked like a strong start from a body language point of view. But from a messaging or focus point of view, it really has to be about the value proposition, the NAFTA agreement, the trade relationship. Trump is transactional. He's not really interested in the warm and fuzzy hundred years of peace that Canada has had with the United States or the best neighbor, best buddy kind of narrative. He wants to know why is trade with Canada good for the workers in the United States that Trump is trying so hard to fight for? Canada is not a threat. It's a partner in trade. And so if they can talk business in terms of value proposition and transaction, I think it will be the strongest start to what will hopefully be a successful bilateral relationship. Trudeau's got to look at the long view on this. He can't go into preachy or moralistic. He's got to go in there and set a good Start a good confidence between the two leaders.
1: So, Mark, in this short amount of time that they have today, can they really affect change? Will, will decisions be made on behalf of Canada and the U.S.? Will they come to some common ground? Or is today just basically a, a point of meeting and then going from there next time?
3: Yeah, no, I think, sorry to disappoint everyone, I don't think today is about anything really substantive at all. Um, I think this is really just a get-to-know-you sort of thing. You know, the weird thing about NAFTA, and I'll tell you this, having worked in both, both countries on, on trade issues, is that if you're in Washington, D.C., and you hold a conference on NAFTA, and you talk about Canada, nobody comes. You won't fill a room with that. If you're in D.C. and you f- talk about NAFTA and you talk about Mexico, you'll have a room that's overflowing. And that doesn't really fit the Canadian sense of where we fit in the trilateral relationship, but it's an honest-to-God truth. And it, part of that is it's a very, NAFTA is very significant to our economy, but from the point of view of an American president, we're we're kind of not that important. His focus on NAFTA is really about Mexico, and once he figures out what he wants to do with Mexico, and how he can do it with Mexico in terms of punitive tax uh, tariffs that he can impose himself, or a, some sort of. Uh, Fundamental border tax reform as part of a larger tax reform uh, policy. Once he's figured out what he wants to do with Mexico, he'll be in a position to come and talk to us about NAFTA. And it doesn't fit our, as I said, I think our perceptions of ourselves and our importance to the United States, but it's just a fact. And so one of the risks I think uh, today will be if, if Trudeau goes in too strong with too much of a message in terms of a sales job, because frankly, I don't think Trump is in a position yet to hear that. He needs to figure out the Mexico piece before he can turn back to Canada.
1: I would think, yes, that Trudeau will probably take his cues from Donald Trump. Am I right in saying that? I mean, you might even get Donald Trump saying, saying, listen, I want to deal with Mexico, and then I'll get to you guys.
3: Well, I hope he does. I mean, I'm not sure because I think there's been, I mean, I think there's a lot of messaging that's been coming through about, you know, how we're the most important trading partner for 35 states. That's very true, and it's a great piece of messaging, and it's about an inch deep. <laughs> the problem, of course, is that for only two of the states in the, of those 35 states, that we represent about, any more than about 10% of their exports? So it's really an asymmetric relationship, and the Americans completely understand that. We're, we're so, so the messaging is important, but you can overdo the messaging, and I, I think you can just see that by the, the coverage that it's getting in the United States today, which is not very substantial.
2: And, Laura, what you wanted to add to that? Oh, I agree in the sense that this is mostly about first impressions. Trump, as we know, is thin-skinned, mercurial, has a big ego. And Trudeau, he might be a new prime minister, but he's not a political neophyte in the sense of he understands big personalities. He's been around global leaders his whole life. So I think this is about Trudeau going in there and not creating an unnecessary rift with Trump. Of course, Trudeau's tweet echoed around the world when he responded to Trump's refugee ban. Uh, So Trump would know that Trudeau has had some objections but this is really about Trudeau being able to go in there to a certain extent i agree let let trump set the tone uh, but also trudeau has to make a case for the status of that business relationship. If there's one thing we've seen with Trump and his listening sessions, he has the capacity of listening to business interests and business details. So while I agree, NAFTA is not a big deal in the U.S. like it is to us, even this visit, they're busy talking about the visit later in the week from the Israeli prime minister. They're not even noting in American media hardly that we're even there today. So we make it much bigger than they do. But at the same time, Trudeau does represent a lot of businesses, a lot of concerns, a lot of industries, and he's got to at least make that conversation starter with Trump.
1: There is some notoriety, though, around Canada. I did notice on the CNN Twitter feed today and the AP Twitter feed, uh, the meeting with Justin Trudeau was pretty much right on the top of the list, the top five things you need to know today. So there is some consciousness in America about our visit. Very little. Yeah, but, it's been but,
2: very little. All the big morning talk shows this morning, it's more of a. It gets about a two and a half minute piece uh, somewhere in the first block, but it doesn't get the kind of full-throated discussion that we've seen with other world leaders that have visited
3: the White House. Mark, and, and, and I would say yes. that's not a bad thing. You know, one of the. I, I, this is about the third time in my life. Uh, you know, I've been practicing law, trade law for about 25 years now, this is at the third time in my life that uh, trade has become very popular and people want to talk to me on the radio. <laughs> um, and it's funny because it, 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 you know, trade is so important to us as an economy, but on the other hand, I think we need to keep in mind that we are not their focus and we need to be careful that we don't box them into positions that they're not ready to take yet. A couple, about last month in January, I guess there was a press conference and a Canadian reporter shouted out to the press secretary, Spicer, a question about, you know, Canada and how it would be applied. And I can assure you he'd not been briefed about Canada. And if you force them into a position, they're having to take a position, he's gonna to go to the default, well, of course, we'll treat Canada like Mexico. So we've gotta be really careful. And this is the, I think that's the task for the Canadian government, where I'm not sure they've actually done a great job on it. I'm, I'm just, maybe they have, I'm not sure. I'm not the communications person, but it's, it's communicating the sense of calm to the Canadian public about this stuff. I still find that the discussions on the, in the media are are quite hysterical in Canada. And I think that they maybe need to do a better job—not so much on the sales job with Mr. Trump, but trying to calm and uh, temper expectations around the trade piece.
1: You think Canada. that you think that the the journalists in Canada have been hysterical? That's what you're saying? Yeah, a- about thought, their coverage.
3: I the, yeah, I think the journalists have been. Some of the business community a little bit. It, I get it. We trade—you know, 75 percent of our exports go to the United States. A lot of our foreign investment. So we want an answer. We want clarity. But you've got to understand, they don't have clarity to give Canada now. We are not, they're not ready to talk to us about NAFTA. And if we force them to talk to us about NAFTA and give us clarity, I can assure you it will not be the answer we want to hear.
1: Well, isn't that, I mean, basically what Chrystia Freeland did last week? I mean, she sort of paved the way for Trudeau. I get the sense it's like, OK, I'll send in my foreign affairs person. She'll set the stage. But then I'm going to play the cool and calm diplomatic guy when I roll in
3: yeah I, I i don't know i i didn't think that was a very deft move at all myself. I thought that again you know we 're one tenth the size of the United states uh economy, and for a small country to threaten to retaliate on trade is something that will be, frankly, laughed at in the United States, not not I don't
2: don't think a narrative of threatening to retaliate is appropriate. But one of the reasons why there is some level of hysteria uh, in all media around Trump is because the actions that he's taken have been swift, and they have had global attention. And for many people, they've been quite deeply concerning. So Canadians have seen some effect from the travel ban. Canadians are very concerned about some of the rhetoric that's been going on with Mexico around trade tariffs. So there's a reason why Canadians are saying, oh, my goodness, what's happening with this administration? Will they turn their mercurial eye towards us? But It is a focused, little bit hysterical, right? this, but it is part of the public narrative.
3: Sure, but the thing about Trump, and this is the key part of it, he he tells you when he says he wants to go after China, he says I'm going after China. When he says he wants to hit Mexico, he says I'm going after Mexico. He's not been saying anything about Canada, and that's the part where I'm saying we've got to listen and be ready. I mean, there's lots of preparation work the government should be doing, but I, I, I don't I just think we've got to be be listen, do the work behind the scenes, have a little bit more of a calm and rational approach to it. Um, because if we don't, if we want to get tripped up into the whole argument about Mexico, that will be an answer. If if, if we're asking for a one-size-fits-all answer, we're not going to like the answer we get. We
1: are speaking with, uh, let me just reset the show, guys, so we can uh, get the listeners to call in as well. Laura Babcock of Power Group Communications and business and law expert Mark Warner, joining Jane Brown, yours truly here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Libby Snymer. We'd like to hear what you think should happen today, what you would like to see take place in these meetings between Prime Minister Trudeau and U.S. President Donald Trump, 416-360-0740. 1-866-744-740. 1-866-744-740. Uh, Laura, I, w- I want to talk about the, the very good relationship that Trudeau had with President Obama. It was short-lived, but it was very positive. Is there the potential to come away with the same type of relationship with Donald Trump, or, or are the personalities just too different?
2: I think it'll be a different kind of relationship and I don't think that Trudeau wants the image of a bromance with Trump. He doesn't want to be seen walking around holding hands as we saw with another world leader. He wants to show that he is in there, he's respectful of the office, that he can be charming and affable, which Trump apparently can be one-on-one when he doesn't feel personally threatened or insulted. They want to have a relationship where they can pick up the phone, where there's not huge drama, where there's not subtweeting going on after this. So it's about going in there, being respectful, being professional, maybe a little bit charming, all of which Trudeau has had years to practice and has has had lots of exposure to. So I'm expecting that Trudeau will be able to go in there and achieve those goals today. If he can come out of it with Trump and I met, you know, we've got a good relationship. He recognizes and understands Canada's value as an ally and a trading partner, and it doesn't go into doesn't go sideways into too much talk about different policy positions that the two hold and doesn't turn into some sort of an image fight on Twitter if they can achieve that then I think that's a great first step again this has to be a long-term plan and it sounds as though the Trudeau government did some prep work before the election they think they know how to handle Trump and that's what this is about handling Trump and starting this relationship. Trudeau doesn't need to get into deep uh, concerns about NAFTA. He doesn't need to be hysterical. I agree. He needs to go in there and say, listen, I'm another world leader, which Trudeau has that stage around the world just because of his popularity, more so, I think, than some other prime ministers we've seen. He can go in there and say, I'll do a good photo op with Trump. We'll look as though we're being professional, affable, not BFF." There's not going to be any memes about a bromance coming out of this one, I hope. And, Mark,
1: uh, in terms of what Laura's saying there about uh, Trudeau's position as a world leader, it is good timing because he heads to Europe this week. So, I would imagine a lot of the other European leaders will want to tap him for knowledge on his visit with Trump in conversations that might not otherwise have happened.
3: Oh, I think that's true. I think that all of the world leaders are, you know, t- trying to compare notes. I think that uh, I'm sure that. Uh that uh, Trudeau had a conversation with his Australian counterpart, um, maybe even with a Japanese counterpart before uh, heading down there. Um, I think there's, you know, and I, I think that's the one thing you need to say about that is that's common for, I think, any change in government. That is, some of this stuff is just what happens when governments change, and you know, it's a small club of world leaders, and they, I do think they want to try to understand the personalities behind them, and um... and so I, I think that I think there will be a lot of comparing notes. I mean, i particularly I think. Uh, Trump has not met uh, the German leader, Andrea Merkel, yet, and, and I expect that she will probably... Um, she's an engineer by trade, from what I understand, and I think she's quite meticulous in apparently researching Trump, and I'm sure that she will want to ask a lot of questions to uh, Justin Trudeau. Well.
1: Okay, let's get to the phone. Sandra and Toronto, you're up first. What would you like to add?
4: Well, actually, what I wanted to comment on was somebody on, on the show there just commented that we need the U.S. Actually, my belief is they need us more than we need them. We also have to keep in mind that a good percentage of the Americans voted for Trump, whether or not we like it, it's none of our business. If an American came up here and said, hey, you know, don't vote for Trudeau, I'd be really, really uh, upset. Irregardless, I mean, like with uh the U.S., I mean, they've been in the deficit for so many years. I mean, the new uh, government coming in, I think that's a really, well, it's a good thing. It's different rather than the same old, same old. I mean, like when you think about the s from years back, I mean, China owns all the real estate, in my opinion. I could be. Terribly wrong, but I don't think I am. But China owns the majority of their real estate. United States needs our resources. They need our water. They need our lumber. They need our oil. They need our gas. I mean, my goodness. I mean, if anybody's got to be, you know, watching out about not getting somebody pissed off, it would be uh, Trump.
1: Okay, Sandra. I think Mark. Uh, this is more Mark's field of expertise. Your well, comments.
3: I think. It, look, I think we are a significant trading partner for them, but we're not as significant as Canadians would like to think. I think that's just the simple truth of the matter is um they we, we don't export our water to them they'd like us to export our water to them if we want to become important to them we have to start exporting our water to them which of course will cause um a major kerfuffle in canada if we ever did that um you know lumber yes they like we we we, they, we do sell them lumber um so there are people who build houses like that on the other hand the lumber producers look across at british columbia and say you aggressively uh, subsidize those and that lumber exports and they want to stop that so But, you know, oil, uh, oil, we're not as significant as an exporter to the United States as we were before because of the rise of fracking in the United States. That's one of the reasons why, you know, with the pipeline debate, uh, Keystone XL is not quite as significant to the Americans as perhaps it might have been eight years ago because they're fracking like crazy. Of course, fracking won't last forever. So I think that's part of what we need to temper it. I'm a bit concerned. I mean, I, I see the government messaging on Twitter and everyone's out there saying, well, we're the most important trading partner for 35 other states true as i say but it's about an inch deep and we've got to be very
0: careful that we don't
3: overplay that hand
0: you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one fight back with libby's nimer on zoomer radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: We're talking about the first face-to-face meeting between Prime Minister Trudeau and U.S. President Donald Trump, along with Laura Babcock of Power Group Communications and business and law expert Mark Warner, and your phone calls. Keith in Rochester, you've got an American point of view on the Trudeau-Trump meeting today.
4: Oh, how many Canadians can I upset to pick up on Sandra's word?
1: <laughs> okay, go ahead.
4: <laughs> Give well, it your yeah, best shot. i have been a little facetious uh... the feedback of uh, the first point is on his appearance, he looks so youthful, only 25 and uh, from a more cynical American point in American media, can he be taken seriously? You,
1: you think he's only 25?
4: Uh, I didn't. Uh, the, the American media is commenting on his... Uh, uh,
1: his appearance?
4: Yes, his good looks, gonna... to say it. Uh, yes. I, I'm a straight guy, so don't get me in the middle of that. Well, but he. Uh, you know what? He,
1: at, when he was sworn in as our prime minister, he was uh, the youngest ever. Uh, second only to Joe Clark, who I believe was 39 in in 1979, whereas Donald Trump is the oldest ever president at the time of inauguration. Do you think that this uh, generational divide, Laura, Mark,
2: uh, will make a difference, good or bad? What's interesting is that there's something I think that is bigger than the generational divide, and that is that Trump admires celebrity. And for as much as People detract on Trudeau's looks and say, well, he must be vacuous or he must lack depth because he's so good-looking, the world really loved Trudeau when they got to see him, and I think that Trump understands Trudeau has this kind of cult of celebrity, that Trudeau makes for good global photo ops, that Trudeau gets big hashtag traffic, and Trump likes being in the presence of celebrity. It doesn't really matter about age. I think Trump considers himself, he said, to be about 35 in his own mind. So I don't see this being a big generational issue. I think they have more in common in terms of their ability to communicate, to use social media, and to know what makes for Good storyline. So there's there's something there, an asset there that Trudeau has that, for instance, Stephen Harper wouldn't have had in a meeting like this with Trudeau. Well, with
1: Trudeau really hit the, mm-hmm. he hit the nail on the head, Mark, in terms of uh, playing up that they both have the best interests of the middle class at heart, as well as advocating the advancement of women. I mean, Trudeau knows uh, that, how highly Donald Trump thinks of his daughter Ivanka as a business person, and so uh, what are your What is your take on this task? Force that they are launching today.
3: Well, I thought that was very skillful. I have to say that that's one where I give a lot of kudos to uh, the Trudeau team because I guess the um, the, the, the the interlocutors with the uh, between the Trudeau pe- uh, team and the Trump team appears to be uh, Trump's daughter Ivanka and um, and uh, her husband um, Jared, and um, and I think by tapping into something that would that Ivanka probably wants Trump to focus on this women's agenda. they're able to sort of find a point of commonality uh, and to feed feed in a a creative way into Trump's agenda. I thought that was a very skillful. I
1: I think so, too. And it it doesn't feel fake either, because long before Donald Trump came along as president, Justin Trudeau was openly saying, I'm a feminist. So it's not something he's made up uh, just just for this
3: visit. I think it's good to sort of find ways like that to where we can sort of dovetail the 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 um, the uh, The points, uh, the, the similarities, infrastructure will be one coming down the pipe as well. Trump has talked about wanting to have a trillion dollar infrastructure program and how we fit into the Buy American with that. But I do think they need to be careful with the messaging here. Celebrity, I agree, is totally – I think Trump does like celebrity, and that will act positively. What I think Trudeau has to be more careful about, a little bit more careful about, is not being seen in the United States as sort of a foil to Trump. And I think – I'm not so – I don't know how they do this, and that's where Laura's expertise is probably more relevant. But I do think that sometimes if you – when I read things coming out of Ottawa, I keep reading things that sort of suggest that Trudeau has managed to not – to, to have to find the right balance he's found the right balance between tweaking uh Trump and um but when you read the stuff coming out of the US they're picking up on on you know his tweets about the women's march and his comments about refugees and I think they've got to play that a little more carefully because if he comes out as the anti-Trump in the United States liberal uh, media and other places that that probably will get under Trump's skin
2: Laura well, there's already been stories that have been done that, uh, that there are Americans who would prefer Trudeau as a leader. There's been comparative pieces being done. That is a risk. Uh, it is a risk for Trudeau to get under Trump's skin, and that's why when, Tr- when Trudeau has made comments, he's been doing what are called subtweets. He doesn't directly take on Trump. He mm-hmm. takes on the issue to sort of preserve Trump's image if you want a certain amount. So he cannot be seen as a foil. He cannot be seen as appeasing Trump even with the agenda. If you look at the women's meeting, yes, it's clever. Yes, you know, Trump loves his daughter and women's issues are what Ivanka cares about and a lot of women really appreciate Trudeau. It's a nice optic. The only thing is, if it looks like somehow Trudeau is giving a lot of cover to Trump when Trump has made controversial comments about women, people could see Trudeau is doing a little bit too much for Trump and Trump's image. So Trudeau has got to be very careful how he leverages his equity with women, how he leverages his equity with Liberals in the United States that have indicated they prefer Trudeau to their own president. He wants to go in there and look strong for Canada without bruising Trump's ego. And one of the things we saw was in that handshake, and I can't overstate it, because the handshake that was done with the Japanese Prime Minister went around the world. People were watching to see this is a signature move of Trump's, even with his Supreme Court nominee, when he sort of grabs your hand and then yanks it in to show who's off. And if you look at the handshake that Trudeau did, Trudeau grasped Trump's shoulder the same way Trump mm-hmm. grasped his, mm-hmm. as it was choreographed in advance, showed strength, kept the handshake from being yanked in. And so that's something probably that Trump would respect.
3: So Trudeau well, is
2: playing this carefully.
3: I never thought when I went to law school I was going to debate handshakes. But <laughs> let me give you my take on the handshake. On that. I thought that, it, it, I agree with what Lori said about the first handshake, but I did think it was interesting that the Oval Office handshake, Trump- didn't seem particularly engaged. He was looking out in a different direction. Um, there wasn't. If you take a look at the pictures when he was shaking in the Oval Office, shaking hands in the Oval Office with Abe, it's very different. So, I I wonder whether you know being the alpha male is very important to Trump. I wonder if he. Didn't oh, I'm like sure him. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder whether whether the first handshake uh, sort of affected the second handshake. But interesting, well, interesting. The that Trump did the not want. Handshake.
2: Trump does not want another Oval Office handshake where he's all in and the other person is dismissive. <laughs> and the AP, I think, actually caught a photo of Trudeau looking at his hand, his hand outreached in the Oval Office with skepticism. So, I mean, Trump is, I think, trying to do a little damage control there by not looking over anxious in the Oval Office.
1: Right. And we all know how often Trudeau goes to the gym. So he probably has a, his greater physical <laughs> strength if it comes down to that. Thank you both for joining us here today on Zoomer Radio.
3: Thanks, Harry.
0: Thanks.
1: Great conversation. Laura Babcock of Power Group Communications and business and law expert, Mark Warner.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.